The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible and lift it up real high and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Nam Tlanje, today, Vandar, Nasichaye, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We're starting a brand new series today. We're going to be talking about how you can design your life with your words. Amen. Uh, I know there is a famous statement that people say that says, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. Uh, According to the Bible, uh, uh, you know, words can can harm you. Amen? So we're going to start in Proverbs chapter number 18, verse 21. And we want to take this opportunity to welcome those who are watching us uh, via live stream. Welcome to service. Amen? Amen. It says in Proverbs 18, verse 21, Death and life are in the power of the Tongue. tongue, and they... That love it, or those who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or for life. So those that use words will get exactly what they say. Amen. You receive from life what you say. That's what the Bible is saying. He's saying death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you're reading in the King James Bible, he says, and those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. What's interesting about this verse is that uh, there's no further extreme than death and life. These are extreme parities. He's saying uh, uh, death and life, as extreme as they are, the power to control them is resident in the tongue. Man, these two forces are extreme. You're either dead or you're alive. There is no in-between. And yet, the Bible says, death, as extreme as it is, and life, as extreme as it is, can be controlled by the power of the tongue. We see the same situation in the book of Ezekiel, uh, in Ezekiel 37, where Ezekiel is in a valley full of dry bones. He's in a valley that is full of death hopelessness and impossibility because if you read that particular verse, it says these bones were very many and very dry. So he's surrounded by death on every side. And yet the Lord asks him a question. He says, can these bones live? And Ezekiel wanted to, you know, uh, 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 turn the responsibility back to the Lord and he said, Lord, only you know. And God said, no, you prophesy to these bones. The other word for prophesy there is you speak to these bones. In other words, you speak to your situation. Amen? Amen. And Ezekiel was able to move a situation of total death, hopelessness, and impossibility from dryness all the way to, you know, last few verses of that uh, uh, particular scripture saying uh, he was surrounded by a great army and it was... Awesome. 
How did he do that? With his words, he began to drag things from the extremity of death and he moved them to the extremity of life. Inversely, you can also start dragging things that were flourishing. Beautiful things. Things that were going somewhere. A life that was going somewhere. A blessing, a miracle that was going somewhere to happen. You can begin with your mouth to drag it from the extremity of life. A marriage that was flourishing. I knew I wasn't going to get an amen. You could literally start dragging it from the extremity of life over here to the extremity of death. Pastor, they, they really, they really, they really tick me off now, Pastor. I'm really tired. I'm, tri- I'm tired. I'm tired of being in this situation. You can literally move your, your, your entire life, your job, your, your, your destiny, what God is trying to do in your life. You could literally drag it all the way from here to over here to death. But here's how the right way to use our words and to use our tongue is to drag things from death over there to life. Here's how we should use our words. The words of our mouth, we should use the words of our mouths to our our advantage. Man, never use the words of your mouth to your disadvantage. Now that you've learned how to use words, never use your mouth to your disadvantage. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 1. We're going to read from Genesis chapter number 1 from verse 1 to 3. Amen. And I'm not talking about name it and claim it, uh, uh, blab it and grab it. I'm not talking about just an extreme, uh, uh, nonsensical, extreme view of what I'm teaching. I'm not talking about you going around laying hands on people's cars and saying, I claim this car. That's not what I'm talking about. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about when your conversation is dominated by certain words, man, there's something really going on in your heart. The Bible says in Luke, 4, uh, Luke 6, verse 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. And he concludes uh, by saying this, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, out of the domination of the heart, in other words, out of the, the storehouse of the heart, your mouth will begin to speak. Here's what it means. It means whatever you put in your heart in large enough quantities will eventually find itself in your mouth. That's good. Whatever you put in your heart in large enough quantities will surprise you. Especially when you're pressed. We were driving with this pastor and, you know, we're driving in traffic and we're driving and then he got cut off and a cuss word came out. It was all pastors in the car, about four of us pastors, men of God, hallelujah. <laughs> and the cuss word came out, oh, snap. And then all of us pastors looked at each other. We started, you know, praying in tongues under our breath. Oh, you know. He needs intercession to, 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 to explain this one. And the pastor said, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> we all know where that came from. It came from the abundance of the... You either were, was listening to some music with cuss words or Tupac, Tupac Shakur. <laughs> or you were watching movies with cuss words or, you, you know, reading an article. with cuss. That's where it came from because whatever you put in your heart, as you fill your heart up, when it gets to overflow, it spills over into your mouth. 
So I'm not talking about just, you know, you know, being a religious fanatic where people can't say things around you and you say, don't use that word. That's not what I'm talking about. Because if they use that word, uh, uh, the real problem is not the words they're using. The real problem is the storehouse of the heart. Because I've been around, you know, fanatics. They walk around claiming people's houses. I claim that house in Jesus. What are you doing? I'm using my mouth to, to get stuff. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Amen. I'm talking about changing what's in your heart. And as you do that, it begins to reflect in the words that you use. Can I get an amen? Amen. So if we go to Genesis chapter number 1 from verse 1 to 3, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form. Someone say without form. form. And void. Someone say void. Void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Did you see that? This was a chaotic situation. It was without form. Void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. This is a messed up situation. Water is where land is supposed to be. Land is where water is supposed to be. There is chaos everywhere. And yet, the Spirit of God is present. How come he didn't fix it? Because he's waiting to hear the word. Because the Spirit acts on the instruction of God. The Spirit was there, present. Yet there was chaos. Spirit-filled believer. But there's chaos around him. What's up with that? They need to learn how to use, you know, their words to their advantage. Watch what happens in verse 2, uh, verse 3. And God said, someone say God said. God said. This is how God literally moved it from chaos to order. Yeah. Through talking. Amen. And God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. Man, that's powerful. It's interesting that God didn't say, look at all that mess. It's interesting that God didn't make a commentary about what was going on. Yeah. Here's something I've learned over the years. Is that making a commentary about what's going on is not going to change the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Pastor, it's very bad. <laughs> it's not going to change the situation. Yeah. Pastor, I am really down and out right now. It's not going to change the situation. You know what's going to change the situation? Start speaking life. Yeah. Start speaking the word of God. Yeah. Start saying, let there be light. Amen? Amen. Start speaking contrary to what's going on around you. Because making a commentary, and there's some people who have a gift in making a commentary about what's going on around them. It's an anointing. Man, they'll start talking about what's going on around them until you start feeling sorry for them. Until you drop everything you are doing so that you can also be stuck in the mud with them. Hold hands and sing Kumbaya. In fact, this is what happened uh, uh, a few months ago. My wife and I went to a pastor's retreat. There was a bunch of us pastors. I think 30 of us uh, overseas. And then, you know, uh, uh, on one of the days, we were going to go out into the ocean on, on boats. But before I even tell you that story, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Those of you who were in the first service, don't try to answer and mess up my illustration here. It's a simple question, easy question. I'm not trying to trick you. Uh, can you fly an airplane? Anybody? Can you fly an airplane? What would be your answer to that? No, no's, no, 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 no. A lot of no's in the house. It says, I can't, Pastor. But the question is, how do you know? The question is, how do you know you can't fly an aeroplane? I just know I can't. But how do you know? The question is, Peter, can you walk on water? Did you see what you did? Did you see what you told me? Exactly what's in your heart. I can't. No, the right answer should be, I don't know. Can you fly an aeroplane? I, I don't know. 
I'll only know when I crash one. <laughs> no, but here's the, here's the deal. You can't be on autopilot to say you can't and to confess impossibility when you haven't tried. So they said, hey, we're going out on the ocean. We need two drivers to drive the boats. So because of my attitude that I can, I said, I'm going to drive one of them. And the question was, have you ever driven a boat? And I said, I haven't. He said, but you want to drive one? I said, yeah, I want to drive one. And the second driver was Greg Fritz. He said, I want to drive a boat. And it turned out that Greg Fritz had owned about three boats before that day. And he had a skipper's license, and he was showing off his houseboat. And when it came to uh, the time to boat the boats, uh, the pastors were stampeding onto Greg Fritz's boat. <laughs> no one wanted to come onto my boat. On. Oh, well, my wife had no choice. <laughs> it's like, I'm coming. She had no choice. You're coming with me, honey. And here's what the pastors say. They say uh, Greg Fritz's boat is the grace boat. Because once you get on that boat, you don't need to worry about anything. It's all by grace. And they said, Tafara's boat is the faith boat. You better have some faith if you're going to get onto that boat. And then we drove the thing, man. I drove that thing. I was speeding it up. And just, man, that thing is fun. And we drove and when we went out into the deep. And then on our way back, it so happened that Greg Fritz's boat packed out. Whoa. It packed up. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, I didn't say that. <laughs> but in my heart, I was like, let's see who who be the man. <laughs> it picked out. I'm telling you, true story. And then we went out to try and help them, and we were circling around the boat and just, you know, waiting and waiting and until it occurred to me that we were not giving them much help by being with them in the deep. <laughs> the only way we were going to genuinely provide some help for them was to leave them and go and find some professional help. And sometimes, you know, I tell these guys all the time, we get emails to the church, all kinds of people asking for all kinds of help, and some of them I say, don't read that email. Don't waste that time, because I'm a professional now. I know exactly which one demands our attention and which one does not demand our attention. I say, you know what, this person is stuck in the mud, and all they want is someone else to be stuck with them. Don't even pay them any attention. Sometimes all you got to do is go and find some professional help. In fact, sometimes all you got to do is tell them, have you talked to the pastor? And here's what they're going to say to you. Yeah, I did, but he didn't help me. You know what you should say? Let me go find out why he didn't help me. Okay, I knew I wasn't going to get an amen. Because what they wanted was for you to come into the mud with them so that both of you could be stuck. They don't want you to say, let there be light. He didn't make a commentary about what was going on. He didn't start going on on a, on a, on a, on a, on a tangent to explain the, ne- the negative aspects of the situation. There are some people that, I, I, man, I even hesitate to ask them, how are you doing? <laughs> At the office. I just say hi and walk as fast as I can. Because I don't want them to give me a commentary, watch this, a negative commentary of their life. I'm just not ready for it. I'm ready for some let there be light. Anybody can relate? Man, you're like, hi, how are you doing? Halfway through, how are you doing? You're like, man, I wish I hadn't asked them how they're doing. (laughs) 
Because people have an inclination to want to make a commentary of the chaos that's going on. God's example is to say, let there be light. Man, you've got to put some positivity in your vocabulary. Let's go to Genesis 1.26. Is this helping you? Man, I'm telling you, it's helping me. Thank you, Jesus. Genesis 1.26. If you're watching online, you can type amen too. (laughs) Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Someone say image. Image. Someone say likeness. If you're writing down notes, write image and likeness, and we're going to get into it. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every kettle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. It's interesting here that God uh, created us twofold. He created us, number one, in his image. And image speaks of the nature of God. And how many of you realize that God is spirit? What that means is your true nature is you are a spirit being. And when you understand that you are a spirit being, it takes away all the prejudices. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's good. It takes away all the issues around the the Greek, uh, the Jews, the male and the female. Because all of us are spirit, and in your spirit, there is no gender. Mm. Amen. 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 That's why there is no issue with God using women to minister the gospel. Because in your spirit, there is no man, there is no woman. Man, that's yeah. right, man, that's right. Everybody is the same to God. We are all sons. Someone shout, I am a son. I am a son. Shout, I have the spirit of sonship. Therefore, Therefore, I can cry out to God, out to God and, call him father. and call him Father. Amen. Amen. It takes away all the prejudices. There is no white, there is no black. Yeah, right. right. We are all God's children. But do you know why we have prejudices? We don't realize that your true nature is you are a spirit. So God created you to be a spirit. Even the unbelievers know that your true man, your true self is a spirit. That's why when someone dies, they say he's gone, even though they still have the body. They know the real person was the spirit which has left the body. Amen? Amen. I said amen. amen. And the second thing he did was he created us after his likeness. Likeness speaks of how God functions. So not only is God a spirit, God is a speaking spirit. He created the world through talking. So has he created you to create your world through talking. Man, you can create the world around you through the words of your mouth. Amen? Amen. And so after God created Adam to be a speaking spirit, he gave him a practice session. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 2, verse 19. Genesis chapter number 2, verse 19. Your mouth has the power to create the world that you want. A world of possibility. A world of uh, victory. A world of overcoming. A world of transformation. Or a world of limitation. It's totally up to you. He says in Genesis 2 verse 19. Out of the ground of the, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. And brought them to who? To Adam. To see what he would call them. Now here's where it gets really interesting. And whatsoever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Did you read that? 
So God created Adam to be a speaking spirit, and he gave him a practice session. And this was the practice session. God would bring the animals that he created, and whatever Adam called it, that was the name thereof. God didn't argue with him. He said, whatever you call it, Adam, that's what it's going to be from today onwards. So God created the big uh, gray mammal with uh, flappy ears and a long trunk, and he brought it to Adam, and he said, what is this? And Adam said, it's an elephant. And guess what? God never said, no, I don't think it's an elephant. It's, it should, maybe we should call it a monkey. No, God said, whatever you call it, that's what it is. That's what it's going to become. And from that day onward, uh, the elephant became an elephant. And he brought another creature, a reptile, that lives in water. And he brought it out to Adam with a long uh, a mouth, the snap, snap. You know what I'm talking about? And what did he call it? He called it a crocodile. And God never argued with him. He said, man, from today onwards, this thing is going to be a crocodile. Why? Because whatever you call it, it becomes. Some of you, God has brought a marriage, a beautiful marriage before you, and you've been calling it all kinds of things. You see, now I'm preaching now. If you didn't realize, now I'm I'm preaching now. Now we're making a conclusion based on, you know, what I just... Some of you, God has blessed you with a really awesome opportunity in the company that you work for. But here's the deal. Whatever you call it, it becomes. Pastor, it's uninspired. Man, we hear all kinds of things. It's uninspiring. Guess what happens? God is not going to argue with you. Whatever you call it, it becomes. Now, here's for the parents. Any parents in the house? Whatever you call them, they become. Oh, this little rascal, you're just like your father. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like your father. You, you're just dumb. You, 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 and here's where it gets really extreme. You will never amount to anything. Whatever you call it, that's what it becomes. And some of you who are married, when you know the, 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 the fellowship of the saints happens, the fellowship of the saints is when you argue. <laughs> when the fellowship of the saints happens, Man, you allow the enemy to use you to release all kinds of stuff. And you say, man, you are stupid. You are dumb. You are crazy. But here's what happens. Whatever you call it, it becomes. Man, you need to start learning how to use your words tactfully. In fact, that's what it says in the book of James. We're going to be looking at that in the coming weeks. He says a mature man is one who who has mastered how to use their tongue. Spiritual maturity is demonstrated through the ability to use your mouth. Man, if you're just careless with words, you haven't attained spiritual maturity. You're still growing. How do you get to a place where you can begin to control your destiny and the destiny of those around you? You start learning how to use your mouth. There was a gentleman called Yamamoto. I think he was a Japanese fellow. He decided to uh, uh, take this concept to the lab and, you know, see if it would work. So he took two bottles, I believe, of water and he froze them. The other one had ugly words, you know, cursed uh, worry, anxiety, sickness, all kinds of sickness written all over the, the, the bottle, the water bottle. And the other one had good words, life, peace, happiness, joy, beautiful, uh, uh, and so on and so forth. And after he froze them, they brought in a microscope. And the words that were ugly had chaos in the frozen water. 
And the words, uh, the bottle of water that had beautiful, awesome, life-giving words was symmetrical information. Now, here's where it gets really awesome. How many of you realize that your body is about 80% water? So you can speak to your body. Amen? Whatever you speak to your body. Man, when you speak all kinds of things to your body, your body begins to go out of order. But when you start learning how to release life, it becomes symmetrical. Everything begins to work. Amen? And God has given us this awesome privilege. It comes with a responsibility, but it's an awesome privilege for us to be able to use words. In fact, that's the only thing that distinguishes us from the animal kingdom. It is our ability to speak with words and to communicate one with another with words. And those words, when we release them, they can shape and manipulate your heart and your imagination. Just like if I came to you and I say apple. In your mind, you don't see A-P-P-L-E. You see an apple. But I could change that and say, Grammy Smith, apple. And it will move from whatever apple you were looking at in your mind to a green apple. Amen? Amen. I could come and say dog. You could see all kinds of dogs and I could say sausage dog. And move you from that dog that you were looking at in your mind to a sausage dog. How many of you see a dog right now? You're like, man, Pastor, I can see that. Now, here's where it gets better. You can start speaking words of life and say, victory! And it will move from whatever you were seeing in your mind to a victorious life. Amen. Amen? You can start leaving your house and say, today is going to be a good day. This is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it and it will move from whatever it was to a beautiful day. What are you doing? You are manipulating your imagination and your expectation through the words of your mouth. So words are powerful. And you need to let words that instill creativity, innovation, solutions, problem solving. Man, you need to listen to those words as you're driving to work. Grace in the Marketplace, I'm going to be teaching Grace in the Marketplace tomorrow. A bunch of uh, business people are getting together in Durban, and we're going to be talking about Grace in the Marketplace. One of the things we're going to talk about is innovation, creativity, and problem solving, which God has already given you, but you have to claim it. You have to speak it into existence. So much harder, I am an innovator. So much harder, I am a creator. Not a follower. See, you move away from copy and paste as you start speaking these things over your life and change the imagination, your expectation in your mind. Man, words are powerful. And this is why sometimes I speak to myself. You know the most important person you should be speaking to? Me. Not me, me, but you should be speaking to you. (laughs) And sometimes my wife hears me talk to myself downstairs or whatever. What did you say? Nothing. I heard you say something. Well, it's for me. (laughs) Are you crazy talking to yourself? No, I'm not crazy. Sometimes I want to talk to someone who's at my same level of intelligence. No, 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 I don't say that. No, I don't say that. (laughs) No, but sometimes I just need to convince myself. Sometimes I'm just convincing myself. I'm just saying, you know what? The Lord is really good to me. And his mercy is endure forever to me. And I need to be convinced of that. Have you ever seen sports people go walking into an arena and they're muttering and saying something under their breath? Man, they're talking to themselves. 
and speaking things to their heart and changing their mental pictures in their heart to move from darkness to light. Man, you need to talk to yourself. And the things you speak to yourself must be life-giving things that are based on God's word. Can I get an amen? Amen. Numbers chapter number 13. Man, don't call it impossible. Don't call it unattainable. Don't call it beyond repair. Someone shout, it is blessed. It is blessed. Whatever it is, I call it blessed. Someone shout, it is victorious. Someone shout, it is attainable. Someone shout, it is within my reach. That's what you should be saying to yourself. In fact, it works. I remember in high school, man, I'd struggle with arithmetic and doing equations and stuff. And I'd start speaking to myself and say, you know what? I can do this. I can do this. And the more I started talking to myself and the more I walked away from people that say, ah, me, I want to drop maths. <laughs> the more I walked away from those people. Have you ever heard those people say, me, I want to drop. I don't want to write maths. I want to drop. I'm not good. The more I walked away from those people and started saying something different, I got better at it. Amen. I'm just saying, man, you can get better at the things that God has called you to do. And what you've got to do is to start speaking to yourself and start encouraging yourself in the Lord. You know, I tell people all the time when I go out to preach, uh, before I get up to preach on the podium, man, I have all kinds of butterflies going on in my stomach. I'm, I'm really like, Lord, are you really entrusting me with these people's lives? I don't look at it as, a, as an opportunity to show off my vocabulary. This is the real deal. This is, this is people's lives at stake. Someone is literally going to take what I'm going to say and do it and expect to see some. This is the real deal. So as I'm getting up the stage, man, I have all kinds of butterflies going on in my stomach. Lord, this is a big responsibility. I need you right now. And as I go up, I'm talking to myself. The Lord is with me. The Lord has anointed me for this work. I'm convincing myself for the work at hand. Amen? Amen. And that's what you should be doing uh, every single day of your life. Numbers 13. Remember what happened to the children of Israel? They sent spies into the land. And uh, when the spies came back, uh, this is what happened. They, the, the first 10 spies uh, came up with an evil report. And this is what they said in verse 32. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to verse 32, if you will. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel. What's the next word? Saying. So they brought an evil report into effect through their words, through their speaking, through their words. Amen? They brought an evil report saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people we saw in it are men of a great stature. And this is where it gets really, it goes south. Verse 33, And there we saw the sons, we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. And what's interesting is, after they said these words over themselves, God didn't argue with them. He didn't say, oh, sorry. Please, can you give them a tissue? They're just saying they're just a grasshopper. We need to change. That. No, no, no. They, they just say that, and they brought it into effect over their lives. They said, we see ourselves as grasshoppers, and so they became grasshoppers. And someone else came in the same economy, in the same land, in the same South Africa, with the same rand, and said something else differently. Watch what the other two boys said in verse 30. 
And Caleb stood the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are what? Notice it didn't say we are grasshoppers. He said, For we are well able to do what? To overcome it. And watch what they said, Joshua and Caleb, watch what they said in Numbers 14, verse 8 and 9. Numbers 14, verse 8 and 9. A few verses later. They said, if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. The land which flows with milk and honey. Verse 9. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are what? He didn't say they are giants. Somebody else is saying they are giants. And guess what they became? Giants. Someone is saying they are bread and guess what they became? Same situation. Same time. Same mindset. Different mindset, but same place. Different mindset. Someone else is saying, man, this is impossible. This is a daunting task. It will never be done. Someone else is saying bread. How hard is it to eat bread? It's not that hard. Just put some butter on it, man. You eat that sucker. Sometimes you can toast it. Man, it's easy. What Caleb and Joshua are saying is this is going to be a piece of cake. Somebody else is saying, oh, this is going to be a... Impossible task. Remember, anybody remembers, uh, in fact, the bigger the situation, the bigger the victory. Anybody remembers uh, Goliath and David? Remember the story? Man, it's so awesome that when you're confronted with an impossible situation and you go with God, the testimony that comes out of it is greater. Because if Goliath was a little Mickey Mouse boy, no one would have talked about David. People would have said, so what did you expect? It's a small issue. Anybody could have killed Goliath. But because it was a big one, and he decided to go with God, guess what? It made it an even greater testimony. But how did David attain that victory? He got before Goliath, and he didn't start making a commentary about Goliath's biceps. (laughs) He didn't start making a commentary about Goliath's height. Do you realize what David said? He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That dares to come against the armies of the living God. And he went on to prophesy his future. He said, today, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off. And I'm going to feed your carcasses to the birds. And the minute he finished saying that, the victory was won. Everybody else, all the doubters and the prognosticators, his brothers especially, were waiting for manifestation because they didn't understand the power of words. But the victory was won when he finished saying what he said. And then all of the extra stuff was just to show the people that what he said in the spirit, what has been settled in the spirit, is now coming into effect in real life. Man, you need to learn. How to release life. And I'm not talking about just saying nice things. I'm talking about speaking God's word over your life. The Bible says in Jeremiah 1.12, he watches over his word to perform it. He does not watch over opinions. He does not watch over nice things. Positive affirmation, you know, the motivational speakers, it's a good place to start. But man, we need to... We need to upgrade and go over to speaking God's word. Because that's the only thing he watches over. He watches over his word to perform it. He says, my word will not come back to me void. 
he has sent empowerment, he has sent resources to make sure that his word comes to pass. And when we take God's word and put it in our mouths, man, we become dangerous. Amen. That's right. To the kingdom of darkness. Yep. Amen. The enemy loves it when you complain and murmur. He loves it when you make a commentary about the situation. Because sure. it does not release the power of God. He gets really frightened when you start speaking God's word over your situation. When you start saying what God told you to say, it changes everything. When you start singing what God wants you to sing, it changes everything. Amen? Amen. Man, you need to start speaking to yourself and start calling yourself those things with Christ, which Jesus, which Christ has already called you. He has already called you blessed. Someone shout, I am blessed. I am blessed. Shout, I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed coming in. And going out. And going out. Amen. He's called you a problem solver. Someone shout, I am a problem I solver. I am a problem solver. Every problem, Every problem that, I'm that I'm confronted with, I have a solution for. I have a solution for. Do you know what that is? It's called making every crooked path straight. Amen. It's a promise in Isaiah 45 over your life. He says he has given you an anointing to make crooked paths straight. What that means is he has given you an anointing to get things done quicker and better. That's innovation. Crooked path would be to drive to Cape Town. Straight would be to fly to Cape Town. But I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, there is even straighter than straight. Because it's still crooked path if it takes two hours. That's what innovation is. And God has already given his children the ability to make things better. We need to start tapping into it and speak it over ourselves. Amen? Amen. That I'm a problem solver. That I, man, I'm, I'm not just, when I show up, the, the room lights up. Amen. That's right. Not when I leave the room, you know. <laughs> Some people, you leave the <laughs> Show up, the place lights up. Amen. I'm God's workmanship, created for good works. I'm more than a conqueror. And you say those things sometimes when it does not look like you're more than a conqueror. And God sometimes will speak those things over you when you don't look like you are a mighty man of valor, Gideon. Yeah. Say, you mighty man of valor. Why? Because he's speaking things that are not as though they are. And watch this, they become. Did that help you? Amen. Why don't you stand on your feet? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Say, I can do all things things through Christ Christ who gives me strength. strength. All things. things. Every assignment assignment that is before me, me. I I can solve it. Man, I really feel an anointing for Marketplace this morning. We are releasing problem solvers, innovators, people that are full of creativity. Man, we're moving away from the the, the place, the, the, the times of copy and paste. We're getting into a place where we start tapping into what the Holy Spirit has for us and change the way things are done forever. In fact, we need to speak over your body as well. Amen. Amen. We need to speak over your body. 
Someone shout, I walk, I walk in divine health. My body keeps well. I am healed. The fruit of my womb is blessed. In the name of Jesus. Every organ, every tissue, every cell functions to the perfection in the name of Jesus. All right, let's speak to your character. Someone shout, I am compassionate. Gracious. Righteous. And I favor and lend to others. So the Lord guides my business with discretion. I find favor and good success with both God and man. I submit myself to God. He is my miracle provider. I resist you. You spirit of poverty. In the name of Jesus. Flee from me. My life is blessed. I'm blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. My career. My business. Is touched. And blessed by God. Amen. There is wealth. And riches. In my house. So that. I can be a blessing. To my church community. To my family. And to those around me. Flood gates of heaven. Are open. Over me. I receive. So many, so many blessings, I cannot, I cannot contain them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's speak to your relationships. My marriage is blessed. Some of you are saying, but pastor, I'm single. Come on, speak it prophetically. My marriage is blessed. My spouse and I are led by the Spirit of God. When we pray together in unity, our prayers are powerful and we get results. We make every effort to establish peace and harmony in our home. You see, now you're making a commitment. You're making a commitment. You're not just confessing, amen? Yes. You're not just saying something nice. You're, you're making a commitment before the Lord and before the saints. You want to make a commitment? Yes. Shout, I make every effort, I make every effort. To, establish peace to establish peace and harmony, and harmony. In, my home. in my home. What that means is you're quick to forgive. Amen. I knew I wasn't going to get it loud, amen? Amen. Or a standing ovation. I'm quick to forgive. I'm quick to move on. When I forgive, I forget. Together, we walk in agreement. We are an unstoppable force. If we get angry, we are quick to forgive so that we do not have strive in our home. I am not self-seeking. 
See here on my notes I wrote we, but the Holy Spirit just co- uh, uh, corrected me. He said, Tafari, if you say we, they're going to walk out of here thinking they were speaking it for their spouse. No, you must, you're speaking it for you. What if your spouse doesn't do it? No, you're speaking it for you. Can I get an amen? I'm not self-seeking. I am not rude. I'm not proud. I'm not boastful. I'm not jealous. Instead, I am loving, kind, patient. I put my spouse needs before my own. I listen very well. This one is for the guys. Can I get an amen, brothers? Shout, I listen very well. And I pay attention. <laughs> now, this is a declaration Amen. for all the days of your life. Amen. Shout, our marriage is a success. It is an example of a successful marriage to our community, to our family, to our friends at work. How many of you know that friends at work need a, a better example than that guy on Instagram? What's that guy? You know the guy I'm talking about. <laughs> Who switches, you know, girls every weekend and they're flying all over the place doing crazy stuff. That's not an example. You are their example. Can I get an amen? Shout, we are committed to one another for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, for richer, for poorer. Maybe let's say it one more time. For richer, for poorer. Because some of you, the enemy, all he needs to do is to steal maybe a thousand rand from your, from your marriage. And like dominoes, the whole thing collapses. Man, for rich, for poor. We're not doing this because the re- of the resources that are available. If the resources, if the enemy by any chance comes and uh, takes away our resources, man, we're just committed to one another. Do you get what I'm saying? Man, I'm trying to help you to be spiritually mature and to start seeing things at a much greater level. Amen. For richer, for poorer, we are committed to one another. In sickness and in health, in youth and in old age. Man, when, when we sleep, I make sure I hold... I hold my wife's hand when we go to sleep. I hold my wife's hand because I don't want she, I, I want to make sure she doesn't leave me. <laughs> I want to make sure she does not trade me in for a younger version. <laughs> so I hold her hand. You are not going anywhere. <laughs> Amen. Man, people will trade you. They will trade you in for a latest, younger thing. Man, we need to bind her. Uh, in youth. In youth. And in old age, and old age we, are committed we are committed one to another, one to, another. To, love, to love, to cherish, to cherish till death do us part. You can go ahead and thank the Lord for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. 
Lord, we thank you for what you have done here this morning. Father, we honor you. And we give you thanks for the work that you have done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. That's who-